0: How many of you are 40 years and above? How many of you remember Olivia Newton-John and the song called Hopelessly Devoted to You? Oh, and some of the young ones. Okay. So what I want to share on today is not that. I I want to sing a song today called Hopefully Devoted to You. Hopefully Devoted to You. That's just a sad thing. But it's a nice title, who's at the back there, Matt. (laughs) Um, Before I uh, start this morning, I just had a sense now, um, just as Grant was saying, how things are getting really tough in the world today, and I just, just like uh, babies' faces started coming in my mind, and I just saw uh, little girls and little boys and their parents you know what they're doing around the world now. It's license to not name them, male or female, and just put gender neutral. And the parent is actually saying that. And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, the enemy is robbing family because every one of us needs to be called, needs to be called a son and a daughter because we have a father. Can you see what's happening? It's just, you know, just picking away at family, the family of God. And so as the church, because we are the only answer in this world, we are to go forth. If you don't have your own children yet, or even if you're older and you don't have children in the natural, you do in the spirit. You have sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in the spiritual family of God that, as we heard this morning, are just as important and significant In the family. So I just thought that. I just thought, ah, trying to be clever, devil. But we know the answer and we carry that in us. And also just looking out at you, beautiful people. Like as shepherds, we, yeah, times are hard. Sometimes we go through stuff. But as shepherds, we really, really love you. Each and every one of you, we really honor you. And looking out of you today, like we may be small in number, But that's really insignificant in the kingdom of God. What this group, this family carries in the spirit today, in this moment, is massive. It's massive. This family, this group, can worship in spirit. It's massive, that. We can feel to run around the building a few times, run around each other and just break things in the spirit. Why? Yes, it's foolishness to the natural man. But our spirit man is going, come on, we're winners, we're victorious, nothing is going to stop us, amen? So after running, I'm just struggling with some chest issues, I was in such agony, the pain in my chest, but it's actually gone completely. So just want to give God glory. (laughs) So if you, you don't have to turn here, but uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, I wanted to start with this, this was a message I had for last week, but things went other ways, but it's still a word that I'm carrying, and uh, we know it, it's probably on our fridges, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations, that's what God said over Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you. In your mother's womb. He knew every single one of us. He knew us. Now our finite minds cannot comprehend that. But our spirit can. Before we were formed in a mother's womb, he knew us. We were known. You and I were known. We had purpose. And he says, before you were born, I set you apart. He had a plan and pointed you as a prophet to the nations. And this morning, I hope I can encourage us all to to look at each other. And it's been a beautiful morning of just acknowledging each other and loving one another. But to look at each other, our friends, our family, and yourself the way God sees you. Sometimes we have a problem receiving love. And I know of a lot of people, even in this congregation, are going through some tough times just receiving love. And understanding perfect love from the Father for themselves. And I'm going to mention it from now because in in our prayer meeting, um, one of us had a, a discerning word that self hatred, self hatred actually stops you from receiving love. It's like a huge, big barrier. And how many of you know we all go through that sometimes? where we maybe mess up and sin has taken over, just for a moment because it's not who you are, but sin has taken over and we're not sure. We, we're wavering in our position in God and then the enemy comes in and he just goes, self-hatred, you can't love yourself, you messed up. Others can't love you, it's too big, no one's going to understand. And he just wants to melt that, he wants to break that this morning because perfect love casts out All fear. Perfect love. And I've been just watching um, some YouTube clips of a a couple of people that, they're they're worldly um, artists. And God's like, put them on my heart. I think, I don't even listen to their music. What is that about? And I've been following. And one in particular, I won't mention the name. But one in particular, the whole documentary was about all these changes in his life and how he's searching for true intimacy. Life is a mess. But he's searching for true intimacy. Those were his words. And I thought, oh, Jesus. It's in every person's heart. The longing for true intimacy with a father. And then the system of the world is now saying, I can't call you daughter. I can't call you son. You're whatever you want to be. And children are supposed to grow up. There's no identity. There's no fatherly love. So... Yeah, that's what's been happening. And what I saw is, um, I think I heard uh, Christine Kane say this, and it just has not left me. Um, She said, we have been plucked from eternity. Every single person on this earth has been plucked from eternity, the realm of the spirit, and in God's clock, okay, eternity is God's clock. Eternity before we were born and eternity after we die, okay? That's God's clock. And we have been placed into Earth's timeline. So you and I have been plucked from eternity and placed into Earth's timeline and in a certain generation chosen by God for a purpose. That's it. Full stop. <laughs> we don't have to add anything to that. That's the plan of God for our lives. What about the unsaved? Because we, we've become saved, born-again believers, and we now know our purpose. What about the those who have been plucked from eternity and are not yet serving the Lord? Well, that's why we're to be Him on earth, witnesses, making disciples. Here I'll get to that. <clears throat> we read this book. And many other books which give an account of men and women who were obedient and who said yes. We read other books and we read of people who started revolutions and movements which shifted others to do radical things for God. We, we love reading those martyr books and everything and the God's generals and we get so excited. We read the Old Testament and we go, woohoo, these prophets were amazing. I want to be like that. But we read it as a story. And this morning I want to say, let's not only read the book, but let's enter the story. You know, Ezekiel, all of those guys, Moses, they were plucked from eternity, put into a timeline. We have been plucked from eternity, put into the same timeline, just different generations for a purpose. So enter the story with these Great men and women of God. And these men and women, they've chosen to stand out in their families, chosen to stand out in schools and universities and environments and say yes to God. What are they saying yes to? It's not a program, a mission organization. They're saying yes to a close, intimate life of devotion to God. And they are hopeful in their devotion to God. It doesn't really matter actually what happens in this earth because we've been plucked from another place. We've been maybe plucked as a too harsh a word, beautifully taken and put into this timeline. And um, we often ask the question, what has he called me to do? How many of you have said that? What has he called me to do? Man, I just have a job and I'm looking to pay the rent and I'm what has he called me to do? And I I just felt Holy Spirit say, you're asking the wrong question. (laughs) I said, who has he called me to be? And we know that in this church. We have good theology on that. But we can forget and we keep asking the wrong questions. But who has he called you to be? Not What has he called you to do? You see, and if little children are, are being born and growing up and they don't know who to be, See how it's just rubbing identity, like, just like that, from the first stage. Anyway, so over the last years, we've massaged this into this community, but we really do need to remind ourselves of who we are in Jesus. Why? Because it affects everything. It really does affect everything. And firstly, before anything else, we've been called out to be disciples of Jesus and witnesses in the earth. If you just stop there and just think about that. In fact, let's just do that. Holy Spirit says the first thing you are to be is a disciple and a witness of Jesus Christ on the earth. So that all men will see him. And Jeremiah says that he has formed us uniquely to be that in the earth. Every one of us different. So, I'll use this as an example. I do it quite a lot, so don't be bored by it. Who knows that, actually, who knows that if you're bored in the kingdom, you've lost your connection to God? Because if you're connected to God, there's no way you can be bored. Just to throw that in. So you cannot be bored. If you're bored, just realign yourself and say, oh, I need to get back. Devoted, connected to Jesus. you will never be bored. It's an adventure. Painful, as we heard this morning, but an adventure. Um, So like if, for example, if God has called me as a prophet, am I known as a prophet because of what I do in public? In the world's eyes, yes. But singing prophetic songs, giving a prophecy, or am I known as a prophet because of my nature, because of who I am as a wife? As a mother, a friend, a son, a daughter. The question that came in my heart was, have I raised my children prophetically? If he's called me with a prophetic nature, have I raised my children prophetically? You think, well, what do you mean by that? Have I raised them according to the systems of the world? And you mentioned that this morning, you were talking a bit into that, or you read my notes before the meeting, I don't know. So have you raised them according to the systems of the world, or worldly thinking and mindsets? Let me tell you something, I find that extremely exhausting, and I seem to vacillate through that, I think we all do, because we know what our spirit is saying, but we've got to keep up the appearances, or we've got to do the norm, and I, in my spirit, I hate that with a passion, because I'm not normal, and neither are you, so raising kids, or having relationships, or, or doing anything, am I, am I doing it with my prophetic nature that was given to me, and I find it, as I said, so exhausting, and it's a seed killer, when we as spirit beings forget for a moment who we are, and where we've come from, and then we try and fit in with the way the world operates, okay, it's a seed killer, how many of you felt that, oh, the promise, I don't know if it's going to happen, I don't know if God's going to use me like that anymore, I used to burn like that, I'm not burning in like that, it's an attempt to to kill and to steal the, the seed, the promise, the purpose that he's called you to be in this timeline, so, the beautiful part of this extraordinary life, because it is an extraordinary life, is that God chose a wineskin of family, which we really do know, to hold and to release individual destinies. So, the family of God is used by God to hold destinies, and when the time is right, he releases destinies. And the picture that came to me, I think, when we dedicated um, the twins and Levi. Um, was the quiver and the arrows. And in worship this morning, he said, Jane, I love the arrows. I'm all about the arrows. I love commissioning. I love sending. But I love the quiver. I love the quiver too. So it's both. You know, we may not all be going right now, but we're a quiver that holds these arrows and releases them and holds them and breathes on them and loves them until prepares a way for them. I just thought they were so beautiful because right now I feel like a quiver. As a mother, <laughs> two-thirds of my children have left the home, but Courtney's coming back. But right now, what I'm feeling right now is like a quiver. And he, and he just reminded me, like, I love the quiver, you know. He's got a plan for the quiver. So, so talking about the family um, two weeks ago, as a family, we witnessed a wedding uh, last week. We witnessed children being dedicated to the Lord, and Courtney being released to Mexico to fulfill part of God's plan for her life, and so on. And family is not a program in the church, and that's where the shift is taking place. Family is not a program. It's a it's a messy, emotional, sometimes difficult, and very costly at times, but it's. It is so joyful, and it's the it's the thing that satisfies you. He made family so that we can be so uh, welcomed and made satisfied in that. Um, when we try and do things our own way, that's we we want to isolate. How many of you have spoken to people lately where they they just want to isolate themselves from the body? Why self hatred? They don't know how to receive love. They they feel so bad. The devil's got them right there. We've got to push down those walls of self-hatred and reach out to people and bring them back into family like never before. It's happening all around us as we speak. But in our journey in relationship with the Lord, there are times of just quiet reading word and praying. How many of you love those moments? I love those times. And um, then there's other times we experience encounters with him, sometimes in worship or we have visions and dreams, and encounters. And uh, often we receive revelation from God. What's revelation? How many of you have heard this? It's like an aha moment. Aha, get it. After 10 years of being (laughs) somewhere, the same thing. And then revelation comes. You go, aha. Okay, so we know that. But revelations like those, and I think this is a really important thing to note. If you want to take anything away today, take this. Receiving a revelation like that, it's not just for confirmation of what you know in your head or what you've heard before. A revelation is an invitation for more of him. So we sing about open up our eyes and wonder. What does that mean? To have revelation of the bigness of God, revelation of what he's doing in our lives and each other's lives, we're asking for that, but it's not just a head thing, you can't receive revelation here, you've got to receive it in here, okay, and it's an invitation for your heart to be hopefully devoted and connected to him, okay. It's a time for closer connection, it's a moment to surrender more, I don't think there can be a time When we worship in the spirit where we don't receive revelation. Because we know that worship is not um, music. We know that worship is not this band. Worship is us singing, loving, serving Jesus, giving him worth. How many of you give worth to him in your workplace? How many of you give him worth in your family life? That's worship. This is just one part of it which we love to do, and God loves music. So. so revelation should propel us into a deeper realm, like another room in our relationship and knowledge of him. We never have it all together. And so I challenge you as a worshiper to worshipers, every time you get into that place of worship and in the, in the area of worship where we sing and, and in church corporately, Don't just go, oh yeah, that's what it means. Get the revelation and then be propelled into him. Let him take you deeper in the spirit because after all we've been plucked from a spirit realm and placed in an earthly realm, but we're going back there. We have to look at life by our spirit, not our minds. And that's a challenge because it's a daily renewing of the mind, renewing of the ways that we think our thought life, the patterns, the way we were brought up. What is God saying now? What is God saying now for your children? What is God saying now for your marriage, where you are? What is God saying for your local family? We're so quick to share our revelation with someone else before it has even moved us. When we get a revelation from God... (laughs) I think so and so needs to hear this send and it hasn't even moved us yet, but wow, it was it was great and it's powerful and we send it off. How about we just wait? How about we just keep it in the quiver a little bit longer until it's moved us completely, and then say, Lord, do you want me to share this? We'll be less on our phones. So let's not be so quick to open our mouths to speak until faith has worked in our hearts first. Every encounter with God should result in deeper devotion to God. And we read that in the last days. How many of you know we are in the last days? When do you think it started? Well, from Pentecost, when Holy Spirit came and Jesus left, till now and tomorrow. and what it, Those are the last days. All these centuries have been the last days. And I think we're in the last of the last, hopefully. And we read in the word that people will be lovers of self. They would give in to lusts of the flesh in all forms, drunkenness, everything. You you know, you've read it. Lust for worldly things, possessions, and pride takes over, etc. And all these longings of the flesh are simply a perversion of true devotion to God. Lusting after stuff, lusting after people, lusting after all the fleshly things that the Bible talks about. And we know it, we're surrounded by it. That drawing us to that is simply a perversion of true devotion to God and intimacy with Him. So if you see it like that, Ahead of time. Let's use our prophetic nature. If you see that ahead of time, you won't fall into that. You go, ah, I'm, so I'm hopefully devoted to God. You can sing it over yourself if you know the tune. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And and it, it stops you in your tracks. Because now you've allowed truth to come. And truth is your anchor. Love, true love is your firm foundation. Not the lust and a temporary moment of Satisfaction or whatever it is. So 1 John 2, let's just read there. 1 John 2 verse 15 to 17 from the Passion says, Don't set the affections of your heart on this world. Let's stop there. What is your heart? Your heart is your soul area. Your heart is your emotions and your soul area. Your thought life, okay? So your thought life and your emotions don't set those things on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. The love of the Father and the love of this world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance... None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. And it's told, the word has told us that these things are incompatible. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. A translation there on that last line, those who love to do the will of God, live forever, those who continually and habitually do the will of God. Now remember, what is the will of God? Are you looking and asking the question, what am I to do? What is the will of God for my life? The will of God for your life is to be who you are called to be and be a disciple and a witness for him in this earth. That is it. And then, because he's made us uniquely, he puts things in our lives. Do you know that he, this this is the word about devotion. I was talking to someone the other day. How do I help this person? And I said, God likes you, Grant, so much. He likes you, he loves you, and he actually enjoys fitness. He does. And you, you love nature, you love being out there. He loves that too. So now, does Grant have to, when he wants to be devoted to God, have a separate life here where he's, okay, I've got two hours before I've got to go. I've read five chapters, sure. Or he can have that relationship with him in the things that he enjoys doing. Because it doesn't mean you don't read the Word. I'm just saying it's not a a task and an extra thing added to your life because he loves who you are. He loves you cycling and running and swimming and doing all Man's hey DJ, and he's, he's there in the moment with you, he's devoted to you there, are we devoted to him in those things, it's just a beautiful thing, so being in the will of God continually and habitually, isn't that lovely, that's what it means there. So Luke 2, Jesus says to put aside, it's quite, I'm not going to read it, but in Luke 2 where Jesus is talking about mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, and this is quite harsh actually when you read it, and we don't fully understand that, but I think today we do after you've shared it, but he says to put aside mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and wives and family members in your biological family for his sake explaining that a true disciple puts him first above everything and everybody. He tells us stories. He goes on and he tells us some stories to count the cost or weigh it up, because when you do make that decision, he wants everything. So it's not like wishy-washy. Being in the will of God is an identity thing. So we can make the decision. When we make the decision to follow Christ, He wants everything. So I was led to um, when I was just writing these notes last week. I was just I had a thought about Zechariah, and uh, remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, they prayed for a child, and when God did that miracle in their old age, Zechariah didn't quite believe it that it was going to happen, and so what happened? God silenced his voice. He made him mute until John the Baptist was born and then he could speak again. And I thought, wow, you know, the lengths, Lord, you would go to to see your purpose fulfilled and your plan for a family's life. Are we open to that? (laughs) What if he silenced your voice? (laughs) Mute. No more singing, Jane. Just, you know. Would I, would I embrace that and go with it? If, because they knew it was the Lord. Because Elizabeth did fall pregnant. So, then, and then when John the Baptist was born, he could then speak and in faith bring up a boy who was unique and radical. How many of you know that? He was unique and radical in those days because his purpose was unique and radical. And it was to prepare the way of Jesus. So my point there, was it seems like I'm talking a lot about parenting today, but it takes gutsy parenting to recognize the call on your children's lives and then continually seek the Lord in bringing them up and preparing them for it. Gutsy parenting. And uh, when I prepared these notes, Courtney hadn't gone yet. So <laughs> anyway, it's real now. But don't leave that for schools and universities Don't leave leave that universities and schools to shape your children. We look at Paul, he was made blind, he was made blind temporarily in his encounter with God, and then went on to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel, laying his life down. Sometimes there's some radical things that need to happen in our lives for the radical plan and purpose in our lives to to be unleashed. Are we open to that? So, God will do extraordinary things with us to get our attention. And we can either read the book and admire men and women who gave their lives for the gospel, or we can enter the story awakened and alive to God. I mean, we are awakened and alive to God, especially after running around the building a few times. We're awakened, we're alive. Sometimes we've got to do those things to just shake off sickness. You know, shake off apathy, tired, oh Sunday lunch is coming. We've got to do something in the natural sometimes to just smash it. You know? So that's what we're doing today. Other than Jesus, Jesus was called the last Adam. We look in Genesis and we have Adam and Eve. So Adam was the first man. And then Jesus is the second Adam and He comes and fulfills everything. And I had Holy Spirit just like drop it into my heart. And he asked me the question, so do you know who was the, the last person mentioned in the Bible, Jane? So I said, huh? Well, it's all about Jesus. So Jesus, and I'm having this little conversation, and he says, no, read Revelations 21, which we have. Can I read that to you? Who knows the answer? Revelations 21 from verse 9 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues, which is beyond me actually, all of that. Who has Revelation on that line? <laughs> oh, Grant does. Okay. He'll be preaching that next week. And he said to him, Come, I will show you the beautiful bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the realm of the Spirit to the top of a great high mountain. There he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It was infused with the glory of God. And its radiance was like that of a very rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And it goes on to describe the bride. We are the bride. You are the And I are the last ones mentioned in the Bible, which is the truth. And I just, I was so overcome by that. I just said, thank you, Jesus. like the last person to be mentioned in the Bible is a wife, a beautiful bride, the bride of Christ, you and me. And I just felt so stirred and alerted and summoned again. Like this is the end of the story. And it's about us. And it's beautiful. And I was just so stirred and like summoned and awakened. The Holy Spirit was just saying, Jane, will you be fully present? Now that you've read that, got revelation. I just keep it there. But will you be fully present with the revelation that I've showed you? That you are the end of the story. And you are victorious and beautiful. And that whole chapter describes how beautiful the bride is. And... I was undone. And if you are any, if you're feeling anything in the Spirit, you'll also be undone. It's just, if you receive that word, not up here, but receive it here, that you, you are the bride, you are the wife of Jesus, and uh, he wants to make you fully present, and he wants you to enter the story. So if we've taken the back seat for a while, and you're just watching and reading the book, let's enter in this morning. Let's enter the story again and be you. Just be you. Because he loves you. He likes you. He's all about you. And let's fulfill the great commission. Some arrows, some the quiver. But we are effective in his hands. But we've got to know who we are and remain in that. Would you stand this morning? in this five minutes, I wonder if Sal, if you can, if you can play, just five minutes guys, I just, I want to go with where the Spirit was leading this morning and I can be the first one to put up my hand that there are times and you go, what? Yes there are times where there's a bit of, maybe it's a bit of self-hatred because I mean, we've all been there, but if you're feeling that this morning I would love to pray with you because once we deal with this in the spirit, there's a flood of the Father's love for you to experience that will cast out all fear, the fears that we we live with in this world. So, yeah, let's just raise our hands and if you feel that, I'd love to pray with you if you want to just come forward. I want to say, sometimes self-hatred Maybe many of you can't relate to that. But pride is, a, is a, another form of that, just disguised, because you're not open to the truth. So if you know that there's some areas of pride in your life, you know what, it's family, who cares? I can be the first to put up, I want to get rid of pride, I want to get rid of self-hatred, I want to be the daughter of God that he's called me to be. It's simple. So I want you to respond to that if you want to come forward. We're just going to just worship a little bit and then I want to pray with you. Enter the story. Take a giant leap.